as a timely response to chaos. Wednesdays with Wolf is a contemplative podcast for wisdom, featuring thought-provoking conversations between Reverend Gola Wolf Richards and Marie Sola. Hello, Wednesday people. Welcome to another fabulous conversation with Mr. Wolf, Mr. Gola Wolf Richards. Hello. Hello there. We're just going to have another Wednesdays with Wolf, are we not, Wolf? I think that's in order. (laughs) It is. It is. It's exactly what the contemplative doctor ordered. Why, thank you Dr. Contemplation. Yeah. You know him? Good thing. We (laughs) hang out often. Yeah. He's a cool guy. Um, So anyway, here we are. I was just saying to Wolf before we um, started recording that I've been in a rather contemplative mood all week and I've just been going with it. So, Wolf, Mm -hmm. I have some questions for you. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, one of the... One of the first things that, well, we've been talking a lot about confusion. We talked a bit about it in the last podcast and mm-hmm. and touched upon it in the podcast before that even, the past mm-hmm. two podcasts. Not, you know, we haven't spent the whole time talking about it, but it's definitely come up. And, and the confusion within ourselves mm-hmm. and how that mirrors confusion in the world. And, yes. you know, we have to first kind of get through that confusion within ourselves before we're mm-hmm. going to change it in the world, right? Correct. Well, one of the <clears throat> things that came up for me around that was uh, just this week was International Women's Day. Yes. And the... um the hashtag was now I'm going to forget choose to challenge was the hashtag the hashtag uh, for this year was choose to challenge choose to challenge choose to challenge and so I wrote a blog about that Mm -hmm. and I wrote that I was going to choose to challenge myself Uh okay and within that I started thinking about unconscious bias all right because we all have it, right? After, I mean, we're probably not born with it, but, it, you know, whatever that is, it gets into our heads. Um, so I wanted to ask you, actually, I just want to start by asking you about unconscious bias. Mm-hmm. What is it? How do we get it? How do we get rid of it? And are we even aware of it so that we can get rid of it? And if we're not aware of it, how the hell do we get aware of it, Wolf? So that's mm-hmm. kind of a big question, but. No, no, no problem at all. Yeah. No, yeah. The um, I, I, what I'd like to do is to expand the range of what we mean by uh, an unconscious bias, and I'd like to expand it in a very positive way first, and then we'll um, revert to discussing it in terms of a negative right potential within it. All right. So, cool. Very positively. We have an unconscious bias. Think of a baby because it's. Important to keep the psychology of a child in mind uh, whenever we're dealing with um, um, uh, the uh, predicaments, right, that we deal with at large, right? We have to uh, keep that in mind. So the child is naturally going to be biased toward the caretakers that it has, right, from infancy, right? So if mm-hmm. it's a positive relationship, there's going to be a bias toward 
No, this is my mommy, right? This is my daddy, right? These other people are not right, my parents. Do you follow? Right? So that's a natural tendency, have a bias in that particular way. Safety, comfort, um, nourishment, all of the things that the child will associate with their particular parent will cause them to have a bias, if you would. Their reference is going to be those people that have cared for them since their since birth. So that's a natural thing to understand. Friends. In terms of that child's world, the friends that they've grown comfortable with, their initial sense of orientation is going to be those are the kids that are okay to play with because I know them. I've enjoyed their company. It feels safe, right? They know me. So I have a tendency, if I were to go to the playground, then to go toward the children that know me rather than the children that do not. So there's an inherent tendency there. So if we think about the fact that inherent in the psychology of what it means to be human is that we were always developed certain biases, right? In certain ways, and it's just natural for that to happen. So that's our positive, no negativity. This is just what it means to be human. To be human means that there's always going to be something to be resolved, right? Because we think, we choose, we have to, we are choice evolvers. So a bias doesn't necessarily mean anything wrong when we understand how it naturally comes into play, right? In terms of human development. And now it becomes wrong when I come to the play yard, the child comes to the play yard, and I don't play with those other children. I only play with the ones I'm familiar with. And I get rutted in that behavior so that I'm now in a situation where predicated on ancient fears, right, that are built into us, right, that I don't know what the strangers will do. And if I get locked into a particular bias, then that I can only go with my friends, less of the world as it actually is, the full world, or it's harder for me to come into intimate knowledge of that world, close contact, right, to have an identity with that world, love thy neighbor as thyself, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So consequently, to have a bias is not at all, right, to be considered anything that's abjectly negative when it comes to our psychologies. We will have a bias toward flavors in terms of what we eat. We will have a bias toward philosophies when we feel that under the, uh, uh, within the purview of that particular philosophy, I'm safe, right? My health is promoted, right? So it's only when we get to the idea of how is it that I, as a human being, in terms of my choices, my biases, right? How is it that I am to frame up a wrong use of a bias, right? So that's first, it's natural. When is it wrongly used? So if I make a decision, or or rather if my decisions are made based on the fact that I assume that only people who look like me are safe to associate with, right? That can become a very negative disposition in my personality. And to know that I'm always subject to develop that sort of negativity gives me a hint as to what I need to do to get beyond it. That is, that I must educate myself so as to understand that it is inherent in human personality that we can develop a bias that needs to be overcome at a particular time. 
We, we could say that it becomes outmoded, right, at a particular time. And if I only use that reference, right, I can become cyclically stuck in that bias. Then we're talking about, right, situations where only men are important, women are not, right? We get stuck in a way of thinking. Only men are entitled, women are not. We're stuck in a particular way of thinking. Only this race or that race, right, so forth and so on. So to have a bias is in and of itself not wrong. It is also inherent, right, in terms of our uh, capacities, that to conflict resolve, we must become aware of the fact that a bias can be in, uh, within us. Check it then. Check it for ethics. Check it for uh, parameters that are unnecessary. Am I setting up a parameter that I don't need to have when I'm out uh, in company of people who come from different ethnic backgrounds, right, to me, right? Am I, right? Um, so a bias in and of itself, not wrong. So if we use the term unconscious bias and we use it in an abject sense that you are always guilty of something bad, you always carry an unconscious bias. That would be uh, a misuse of the term, I would say. Uh, I can, my biases, it, it, to be even holistic, right? If, if I'm biased toward, right, being incorporative, right? being comprehensive in terms of how I want to identify and associate, that's a bias in and of itself, but it's a positive bias, right? So a bias in and of itself, right, doesn't designate a wrong. Okay. There, there was a lot there, Wolf. And no. Two, <laughs> and two, two kind of big things popped out, questions for me in my mind. Um, and so do you want me to give them to you both at the same time or do you want me Please to Please go right ahead. Okay. So the first thing, maybe the first thing, well, it's an observation and it's a question. And the second one is just a full on question. So while I was, well, you were talking about both, you know, how a child will form positive bias uh, and then how some biases can be used negatively. Right. But it, it seems like the, the bias or the bias, the biases, the biases, the, bi the bias, are they biases or biases? Yes, biases. The biases uh -huh. um, are formed, it seems like, around comfort and fear. Mm -hmm. um, that feeling, that innate feeling of safety, mm -hmm. right? So if something makes us feel comfortable and safe, we form a positive bias. Yes. If for some reason something makes us feel unsafe or uncomfortable, then that can be used negatively, that bias, or yes. can become a negative bias, right? Yes. Um, so it seems like those were at play. Mm -hmm. um, so one is, is that, am I reading that or understanding that correctly? And then the second part of that is, can a bias be so ingrained or so deep down that we don't even realize that we're doing it like it's just like consciously that's why i'm saying unconscious like that we just mm -hmm. i mean i mean some stuff's obvious right i mean i think sometimes people play that card like well i don't know how to talk to women mm -hmm. and it's like well you know so long as you don't just come up and say nice tits you're probably okay mm -hmm. i mean i'm sorry mm -hmm. but that you know mm -hmm. i mean i think people hide behind that but i think mm -hmm. that there's also truth to that there are some things that are so deep down and in there and noodled around that we don't 
as people even realize we're doing it. At least that's my, so is that true? Oh, yes, or Can true. they be that ingrained? And then are they really, is that that they're, they also become based around fear and comfort? Uh, yes, it's true. What you've said is, is true. You can have um, the level of unconsciousness to become so absolutely deep, right, uh, that it's beyond, right, that person's perception, right, of it being there at all. You can even have that, if you'll pardon me, I'm going to skip ahead a bit here and say, you can have a bias uh, without intending it, right, toward ignorance, right, without mm-hmm. even realizing it. So that if I say that the uh, opposite to ignorance, right, is wisdom, right, and I say that on the whole, we'd have to say in terms of the search for wisdom, how it should be rolled out, how do I begin, right, to appreciate um, um, how wisdom should be understood, right? If that's been neglected, which I say it has been, right, uh, generally for the species, one of the reasons that we run into so many difficulties in handling what um, nowadays would be a topical, the topical issue of unconscious bias, is because collectively we've not dealt with wisdom, right? Uh, and uh, having some insight about um, having human psychology, having some general understanding of what are the universals that pertain to having human psychology. Because these biases, right, that are topical, right, have been plaguing us, right, forever, right? So we will always be in the ambit of those biases then, predicated on the fact that anything that's cyclic, habits, form, traditions, customs, and it becomes entrenched. But at the base, right, is consciousness itself, human psychology. So what's entrenched is we do not have habits of looking deeply, right, at how it's inherent in our personalities to need to master potentials for conflict. That it's inherent in how I see that some of my infantile tendencies can be there, right, deeply imprinted so that I have a bias toward the people that just look like me live on my side of the street, speak my language, if you would. The other side that's involved in that, unfortunately, is that if good is here where I am among people like myself, we live in a world of of, um, yin and yang. Then I tend to then project bad, right, uh, uh, onto opposite, right, to myself. That's inherent in human psychology. That's not something that we'd have to say, um, that's bad. It's bad to be ignorant of it. It's bad not to cultivate an awareness so that I don't let it get in the way of the good that I could do, right? So that's uh, uh, educational. It's bad then to not educate oneself. It's bad for us not to collectively educate ourselves so so as to overcome what's inherent in human psychology, and it will be a consistent thing regularly. You will never get rid of it Every generation will have to become conscious of its psychology, of psychology, such that we can manage ourselves. It's a adult education. It's how to be authentically grown. Okay, so what I hear, so what I hear you saying, Wolf. I didn't say anything. <laughs> when I was picking up what you were laying down, this is what I picked up. Um, it's, we're we're just all. We're, I mean, it is inherent to have biases. Bi- biases. Mm-hmm. Multiple bias. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's inherent. It, it's part of the human psychology. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the way, it. yeah, mm-hmm. 
that's the way to combat it, if you will, is to manage it, to be aware of it, to to cultivate wisdom, mm-hmm. to understand that that's part of human nature, and therefore it is part of the very essence of our individual selves as mm-hmm. well as others. Yes. And so how do we manage that and how do we get past it and how do we use it for good, for good versus evil, you know, mm-hmm. or for, for you know— it, because none of us is perfect. Mm-hmm. In the last mm-hmm. I checked, mm-hmm. yeah, it's true. Uh, it's it, very important to understand how uh, significant it is to be an individual, right? To be oneself, right? That it, uh, so. How do we begin, right? Um, I would say it's important to understand that if you're drawn, right, to the idea of resolving conflict, you will either um, stay average and keep at the level at which there's always going to be something contentious between you and some other group, right, all the time, right? Because that's a longstanding habit, right, for us uh, and as human beings. Or you'll stop and say, we haven't figured this out for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years. So therefore, if I am not reviewing my consciousness to see what is it that I'm doing that's different, right, than what has been standard for a long time, it's more likely that I'm doing something standard, right, that hasn't worked. So that um, circumspection so that you're actually being reflective, looking at yourself, and the inadvertent arrogance that can come when I don't look at myself and I just make the assumption, right, not perceiving that these are assumptions that have been made, right, for thousands of years, right, that I'm doing quite okay, and what I'm doing is being very average in a way that is not effective for getting to where we need to go, right? So self-management, if we can see, it's less a collective issue, right, than it is an individual issue. If I wait on the group, right, to do the right thing, well, (laughs) forget it, right? Um, The group has to be led by the individual. So I cannot, um, if I persist at the habit, right, in terms of unconscious bias, right, one of the predominant uh, orientations for developing a bias is doing what the group does. So if I can't get beyond waiting on the group to change, right, I am not going to do the change that's necessary to have the ideals that I erstwhile am suggesting that I want to come into play. The group follows from the individual. All right, the individual uh, is a dynamic force on the group. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I had this vision as you were saying, you know, we should, we need to kind of look in the mirror. And I thought, imagine if we could figure out a way to Botox our attitudes instead of our wrinkles. You know, just like, hmm. You know, people look in the mirror, they're like, I got, you know, I need a little something, something here. Or something. Of course, you know, I'm at that age where probably like I'm, you know, maybe this is a Freudian slip or something. But uh, I just imagine, like, imagine if we could do plastic surgery. <laughs> And filler on our on our conflict resolution management and our inner souls, right? And you know that whole idea of the individual leads the group, and sometimes it's just easier to, you know, sit back and think, oh, somebody else is going to change it, right? <laughs> I'm just mm-hmm, going to go mm-hmm. with the flow. I can't because it can become 
if you're looking at the bigger issues in the world today and the conflict that's out there, it can become overwhelming, which can be can kind of be paralyzing to a it, certain it, extent. Oh, you know, extremely. I mean, there's times when you're just like, okay, I'm just gonna pre- I'm gonna go for a walk and pretend everything's copacetic, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but it's true. We have to. The individual leads leads the group, and so if we don't look at ourselves as individuals, um, we're just gonna be one big blob amoeba amoeba of conflict. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, Marie. One of the things too is that when we look at our institutions. Um, we have to look for what habits have collected there, right? Some will be good, mm-hmm. right? Some will be bad, right? And so that's discerning what's good, what's not not so good. Now, one of the things that's happened in our cultural institutions is that we've been taught that we're pretty powerless, that mm-hmm. um, we don't have the capacity, right, to change the world. We barely have the capacity to change ourselves, right? Uh, so uh, in many ways, some of the statements uh, that we make about um, our humanity are habitual ways of weakening us, right? Keeping us from doing what we're otherwise capable of doing. So we'll say, um, we only get to heaven by grace, or right? a statement like that that can be misread to mean well, you're never going to be improved in terms of your humanity, right? So good you joined a club so that you can um, get into, um, you know, the pearly gates, if you would, right? Without having done much about altering your personality prior to. <laughs> that, that, the, Hallelujah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are so many uh, ways in which we have uncomfortably, right? Or rather, excuse me, generated discomfort, right? Because we have inclined ourselves to think that we can't fix collective problems. Now, the reason I say that is that though we may not be able to fix, if you have the idea, can't fix the collective problem, you're not going to be inspired to do much about it. And particularly when, if you um, learn to understand, it, you only fix the collective by fixing yourself. That the job that nature's given you is not to fix the group right? It's to fix yourself. And were it to be that you fix yourself, nature coordinates, right? The idea of a universe, a cosmos, that if you just do you quite well, you will find yourself being an agent of how the creativity in the universe does collective change. So to be in concord with the universe, collective change in the universe, creativity in the universe, right? What nature says is do you. Do yourself. And uh, the daunting idea of of going out to change all the others then becomes uh, less daunting in some senses, right? Because it says you. And then you'll find that's one heck of a battle, right? To change yourself, to perceive, right, what needs to be changed and then to strengthen, right, the energies to do so. Totally. And it is, it, it is, it's much harder to point the finger at yourself than it is to point the finger at everybody else. You know, it's you know, <laughs> a little closer to home that way. But it, it's true. It It is, it, you know, on so many levels for all of us, myself included, it's so much harder to, it's so much easier to examine somebody else's faults than your own, is it not? Mm-hmm. You oh, know, definitely and, so. And we've we do a great job of that on social media. Oh my God! And you know, 
one of the questions that I have about that is, and, you know, I don't know if you can answer this, Wolf, but I bet you can. If anybody can, you probably can. Oh, bless your heart. What is that piece? There's that. There are people that love to fight. They love conflict. And I'm not talking about like they want to go out. There are people that are in wars. I just mean within a family, within a, within a, uh, on social media, people that just get charged up and excited about being in an argument and conflict. I mean, it just like it's, it comes naturally and they thrive on it. Mm-hmm. Um, see, I'm pointing at other people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> other people. <laughs> other people that love that stuff. <laughs> Me, yeah. No. Uh, but what is that? What is it in us that makes that? Is it attractive? Is it a, is it that it makes it attractive? And is it a, is it a habit? Is it a rush? I mean, what is it about? What is it about that? Break mm-hmm. that one down for me, Wolf. <laughs> certainly, certainly. Uh, you mentioned the word habit, um, and um, that definitely does come into play here. Uh, life persists, right, by means of cycles. Cycles. If we didn't have the cycles of day and night, and we didn't have the seasons, right, if we didn't have our blood circulating in our bodies, if we didn't breathe in and out, right, um, we'd be gone. So, there is a super primal role that cycles play, right, in the universe. Cycles. In our personalities, right, those cycles can become habits, right? Um, among others, they can become traditions, right, uh, um, customs, right? But And then they have a power on their own. So let's go back to the idea of unconscious that you'd mentioned earlier an unconscious bias, if you would, right? So inherent in our personalities is, right, this tendency for cycles of particular things. So let's say our infantile tendency might be, all right, to see an enemy where an enemy, from a mature perspective, needn't be seen, right? But nonetheless, because that's been practiced for so long, right, to see from that less well-cultivated perspective, it becomes a habit, And it's passed on with collective force so that consequently you have people who are habituated to doing conflict, not so much as a choice because they're being dominated by unconscious tendencies or collectively, right? Unconscious tendencies, wherein at some point in our history, that violence, that aggressiveness would have played a positive role, might have saved one group, right? From another group, right? But now in terms of an evolved situation in history, It's no longer the same. You can think that it's doing that, that you're saving one group versus another. But at this particular point in history, right, the combat means it's um, all of us going down the same drain. Um, We are now so collectively interlaced, right? We were always interlaced that way as far as the universe is concerned. But in terms of how our civilization has progressed, we're so interlaced, technologically interlaced, right, that the fighting that we can do now, right, it will not, it can be a momentary perception that you are saving, right, this group as opposed to that group. But fighting in and of itself, except you're fighting for sanity, right, is going to leave us all going down the same drain. Yeah, it's really, um, it's really disturbing. It, it's disturbing to me to 
to witness it. Um, and yeah, anyway. <laughs> one, one thing important, though, Marie, is sympathy. Because the if I understand someone to be habituated to a particular pattern of behavior, I can cultivate more sympathy for that person. Mm-hmm. If I think it's deliberate, they're conscious of it. Conscious meaning not simply aware, right? But meaning authentically in control. Uh, prior to us being humans, we know that there are chaotic tendencies in the universe, right? And chaos... Uh, when we get out of the context of discussing humans, right, any kind of destruction um, that's under the complete control of nature is not destruction in the same way that it means for us in terms of ethics and morals, right, uh, the human uh, frame. So we will have always, right, the power behind our destructive tendencies actually comes from the universe. It's powerful in terms of cycles. The power to handle the destructive tendency the universe has in terms of its creativity. So the things that will be destroyed, and again, I'm not moralizing here. I'm, I'm going prior to the human experience, right? Mm-hmm. And talking about the inheritance, right? But nature is always able to use its creativity, right? So it constantly is interfacing with the downward trend or something is falling apart, it's decaying. Nature can use it for fertilizer or something that's going to grow right? (laughs) The sun goes down, right? Nature uses the darkness in a positive way, and then it brings the sun back up, right? Nature goes cold, right? It uses the cold in a certain way in terms of how it affects the environment, and then it brings the spring back up. So nature's interface between opposites, the reciprocity between opposites is just absolute, right? In terms of being healthy, right? There's this beautiful tension between these opposites, We are the children of the universe. We're the only thing that has to consciously come into alignment with how the universe does that. So that when my feelings come up that could be destructive, I need a purview that's trained to understand the difference between destruction and creativity. I have to understand that if I am not identified with the whole, right, with people other than myself, right, then I am absolutely in an infantile stage of human development, right, that has strong habitual tendencies behind it because we never had an era in human development of generalized maturity. So we're at a point right now where every individual is faced with the opportunity to refine and cultivate and bring the collective status of human development up to a more mature level. You only do that within yourself. So really, you can't make somebody else see that even if you wanted to, right? It's, you can, as you said, you can have sympathy for people or if you see somebody going down a potentially destructive path that way, is there anything that those of us who may love them or be on the outside looking in can can help or yes okay how please please do tell yeah yeah intensify doing better yourself nature always um has an integrated way about it oh always nature is always is it's 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 such a um inappropriate statement (laughs) (laughs) Uh, here we'll bleep that out wolf okay (laughs) 
It is the way of nature, right, to have everything affected by everything else. That's inherent in how the universe works. You'll have that hints of that given in um, mythologic literature, spiritual literature, and I'm not using myth in the sense of meaning a lie, right? That's an unfortunate thing that we do nowadays, right? So when I'm using myth, I'm thinking of archetype, deep patterns, right, in nature. So we have, in, um, for instance, in um, religious literature, uh, Christian, uh, for instance, um, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So you have this association between an individual, right, and the world, right? Throughout literature, right, the sacred literature, and the, you'll see that all over the place. And it's trying to remind you of something that now in terms of our discussion of quantum mechanics, right, um, that everything is interfacing with everything. Nature does not have, right, the um, anything outside of its context. It's everything is within it context. Nothing is forgotten, if you would, right, to yeah, make an analogy to us forgetting about things. Nature doesn't forget. So we have within us, right, always the powers to affect others, only not by direct means. Nature doesn't necessarily depend on direct means alone. It has indirect, even to the point of a causal, not cause and effect, but a causal. In psychology, and I know this is going to be difficult for some people if, if they take time to look up synchronicity, right, um, where there is a spontaneous uh, coordination between factors in the universe that does not um, uh, d need, depend on cause and effect. Quantum entanglement, if you're um, of that persuasion to look it up. Mutual wow. co-arising, if you are of a Buddhist persuasion. Mutual co-arising. Yeah. So in other words, then, um, if you're in that situation or faced with that situation, if you can elevate the way that you are dealing with that person or with that situation, then that will give you, yeah. that would be a causal, correct? That yeah, would be yes, some absolutely. synchronicity. So that would be, so really it's not about going, hey, listen, you're wrong. You shouldn't think that way or, yeah. you know, this is for your own good, but let me tell you how you can be better. I mean, that's really not what it's about. It's about just bringing yourself, rising up, for the lack of a better term, I don't know if rising up is really the right term, but it's about being better yourself within that situation when you're confronted with that. That is true. Is, is that what, am That's I understanding true. that? That is true. But it also would incorporate um, that if I can see that it would make sense to attempt to get someone to see right, that would be me rising to being the best friend I can be to you. Yet understanding that if I, uh, you know, to use another analogy, if I take you to the water, right, I cannot force you to drink. But if in fact, right, I attempt to teach you something, that's not wrong to do. That can be a part of how I grow myself better, right, is that I attempt to do. It's a way of loving. It can also be, too, that at a particular time when I see that you can't do, then the, um, uh, the adage from Christ on the cross, God forgive them for they know not what they do. That it's very important for me to know when to give rich sympathy to somebody who is stuck right, in a pattern such that they can't mm -hmm. move, but not feel in, uh, without power. 
Because if I am in a humane way able to give sympathy, right, that is a dynamic on the collective in terms of gradually moving toward a more sane world. It's very hard to do because you feel very strong. It's very compelling how our emotions can cause us to see something that um, in another emotional state, it's changed. Certain emotional state, I just hate this person. Um, little kids, I find so cute. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, I laugh about it all the time, seeing little kids say something. They're so upset with their parents. Um, a little boy uh, I saw at one time was wanting some ice cream. He saw an uh, ice cream cone picture in a window and uh, happened to be there. So I could see this scene and his mother was saying, no, we're in a hurry. We have to go. We have to go. And the little boy was pointing to the ice cream. And mom was trying to pull him on. And so the boy says, I hate you. And the mother says, I'm not in a popularity contest. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, though, right? Yes. So that, is... uh, that frame of mind where the kid says, I hate you. We know that one day he'll be the parent that has, uh, to um, turn around and say, I'm not bothered. I'm not in the popularity contest. Let's go. <laughs> exactly. You know, that's that's actually it's true. So. So there are things we can do. Yes. We, there absolutely are absolutely. things that we can do. We should attempt to do. But okay, at so the same that, time. Mm-hmm. Positive. Yeah. Yes. And at the same time, be aware of the fact that in terms of an immediate change for somebody, right, that won't necessarily come through at all. Um, one of the things that um, uh, in the social media network, if it were to people uh, that people were able to manifest, right, Uh, In view of what you don't like, right, things that are troubling you, right, use it as a place to see, let me see if I can be my best self there. Um, And that'd be a good opportunity for working on oneself. Well, at the same time, in terms of the um, uh, synchronicity, right, also working on the collective. It's like immersion Immersion therapy. That's a good one. Or, or, or like, you know, mm-hmm. would, yeah. Well, that's, yeah, yeah. So really, it is about, at the end of the day, Wolf, I mean, we just can't get around this. We have to, we have to work on our own selves. I think that's it. That's, that's a wrap, I mean, Marie. That is a wrap. So, Wolf. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Before we go off into the sunset, if you had to... Sum this up in a couple of sentences, like just like take the the most important pieces of what we've just talked about and mm-hmm. let the bring that out to the listeners right now. What would you say? What would your thoughts be? Well, two um, lines I came to mind from some material that I wrote and recorded. Understanding the nature of change changes the nature of understanding. Understanding the nature of change changes the nature of understanding. And then there's another line from a piece that I wrote and recorded, and it says, never hold growth hostage to how you believe, but learn to believe such that growth is ensured. Never hold growth hostage to how you believe, but learn to believe such that growth is ensured. 